We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here without the old man, Andreas Hale. It is his daughter's seventh birthday, so amazing happy birthday to her. He is enjoying family time today. We still got a pro wrestling show coming at you guys, what, Friday, Saturday of this week? We just want to give that time because if you don't know, WWE is making a lot of talent cuts, so we want to address everything as a whole in the pro wrestling industry. WWE signed a new TV rights deal for SmackDown. We got to talk about all of that. So got to wait a little longer for their pro wrestling show this week, but trust, it is going to happen. Today, it's about MMA, though, and I wanted to be able to go through recap last week's Noche UFC card that happened here in Vegas, which I guess is going to be a staple for the Mexican holidays. Dana White said he wants to take the dates back from Canelo, so we'll see how that one goes. We'll talk about that in a second. And then they have a card coming up this weekend, which is one of the better cards you'll see at the UFC Apex. And that one is headlined by Rafael Faziv versus Gamrot this weekend. So a great matchup between top lightweights there. But the rest of the card is also exciting. So we'll talk about that, give a few predictions for that card as well. And then... Of course, of course, of course, of course. Probably where we're starting off today is all of the announcements for the main events and a couple co-mains going into this winter's slate for the UFC, closing out the year just on a huge note. So we'll go through some of those fights as well. So hopefully you guys are ready. It's It's been a while. It feels like our UFC show, because it did happen first last week on a Wednesday, that we've missed so much because it's been eight days since then, if you guys aren't aware, this is the main events coming up for this winter's UFC slate. We have UFC 294. I guess this is fall as well. UFC 294. Makachev versus Oliveira 2 is the main event. That's going down to Abu Dhabi. They do that card once a year. Then in November, John Jones versus Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title of the world. The return of Bones. It's always great to see him fight. In New York, you know he's upstate New York kid. Still, it's that home state love for John Jones. And as good as his previous fight was, Cyril Gaon isn't who Stipe Miocic is. So Stipe 
is widely considered the best heavyweight in UFC history. And John Jones is the best fighter in UFC history. So now for John Jones's legacy, this is like that little cherry on top. Because already he's beating the best of the best. He's beating Daniel Cormier. He was probably the second best heavyweight of all time. Second best light heavyweight of all time in terms of the USC. And now he's like, all right, who else do I just want to add to this? Yeah, there's plenty of young contenders. Yes, there's talent in the heavyweight division for the first time in forever. John Jones isn't here for that. John is here for one reason, one reason only, to stack that legacy, to pad his record. And so at the end of the day, love him, hate him, great person, horrible person, whoever he is, you can't say anyone was better. And Steve Miocic is just like, all right, this is the guy who I want to be. And Steve is getting up there in age. He's not as active. It's the perfect time. Like when, same when we talk about Floyd Mayweather. It's like the names on his resume are incredible. But when did he fight him? But 30 years from now, it's going to not matter when he fought them. The name is the name. At the end of the day, he beat Manny Pacquiao. People say, oh, it should have happened five years before. Who cares? The name is on the resume. That is a win. It is a W. Can't say that guy's better than me. And John is doing the same thing with Stipe. Like, yo, when I got there, I fought the best heavyweight there was. I fought the best person they had ever in this division. And John gets the chance. Like, you just can't chalk it up. You know, betting against John Jones seems very weird. The man's never lost. Um, you can't chalk up any win, though, in the UFC, especially a heavyweight. Anything could be the last punch. But going into this, John has the chance of beating the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. So that's one hell of a main event there. And then for December, back here in Vegas, it is Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Headlining UFC 296. Colby Covington, listen, you can argue whether he deserves a shot or not. Most people would say, no, he does not deserve this title shot. The man is polarizing. I can't even say entertaining. He's polarizing. He's friends with Dana White. So... That gets you very far in the UFC rankings or it gets you skipped over people who are ranked higher. So now Kobe gets his shot. But we saw with Sugar Sean O'Malley that what are rankings? Because did Sean deserve it? Did he go through the gamut of that division like other people did? No. But when he got the shot, he won. And Kobe's gotten a shot several times, came up short those other times. Kamaru Usman broke his face in one of the fights. But now he fights Leon. And Leon was perfectly skilled and, and disciplined enough to beat Kamaru twice. But Leon is not Kamaru in terms of power, in terms of sheer wrestling ability. I'd say Kobe Covington's the better wrestler. And that's, that's pretty easy to say on paper. The cardio is there. Now, will he get caught with something stupid? Will he be able to strike with Leon Edwards for a full 25 minutes? These are questions we don't know. But we know if he takes it to the ground, he has a pretty damn good shot. So it's an interesting chess match there. And even the co-main in that December fight here in Vegas, December 16th to be exact, Pantoja versus Royval, that's a fight where it's been so long at flyweight. And Pantoja pulled out um, the win over Brandon Moreno. It was so close, though. I thought Moreno would get the immediate rematch. But this is a division where... Brandon Moreno has been rematching people. Him and Davidson Figueroa fought 8 million times. So this is the first fresh matchup in the title picture. We've had in like three years in this division. So I can see why they move on. 
see why they give a guy like Brandon Royval a chance in the co-main. Say, you know what? Cool. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what Pantoja is because this last fight was really close. But as we know, those other guys will still be there all the time. You look at it, Brandon Moreno is not going anywhere. So let him heal up. He's had one hell of a run as a champion. Let him relax for a second. Pantoja, go defend the belt. If you win, then we have that rematch. I'm all for rematches. I'm not all for immediate rematches. Let Brandon Moreno go. Let him train. Let him get healthy. Let him prepare some more. And then let him run it back with Pantoja. So I really, really like that co-main. The co-main for the November card, November 11th in NYC. Already talked about John Jones main eventing that card. And that's big enough, right? That's, that's big enough for people to go to the garden. Um, shout out to Nick from Veterans Minimum. He are blue wire. He's probably flying back home. But these announcements, I already know. He's looking at tickets. He got that book. He's trying to get a subathon going. This man is, is ready to be back in the garden, back in NYC. And I'm considering it too. Like, listen, I ain't been home in a second. Maybe I go to New York to watch these fights because the card is that good. With John Jones, I'd ready to be sold. Knowing the other people who usually fight in New York, you know they're going to stop, just stack, stack, stack that undercard. But in the co-main, Gary Prohaska versus Alex Pereira for the vacant light heavyweight title. And it's vacant because um, Jamal Hill tore his Achilles playing like in a celebrity basketball game. So he had to vacate the belt, which go, go be healthy. Before him, Yuri Prochka has to, had to vacate the belt. He needed surgery. He didn't want to hold up the division. That's why Jamal Hill became champion. So now it's like, okay, I'll do the same thing. Here, I'm not going to hold you guys up. You go fight. And now Yuri's, who looked super dominant on his way up, standing and striking, there are few people who are as skilled as Yuri Pahaska. Alex Pereira is one of those people. The power that he has is so dangerous. His kickboxing career, multiple wins over Israel Adesanya, multiple weight champion. This isn't going to be a fight that touches the mat for more than 10 seconds, max. And that's if a guy slips. It's not going to be that. This is a high-level kickboxing chess match with the potential of someone getting slept. This is going to be a war. And this will probably be more exciting even than the main event because John Jones is John Jones. And as good as Stipe is, there's an opportunity for John Jones to run through Stephen Miocic. A 250-pound John Jones is scary. You saw that against Cyril Gunn. I don't know if someone runs through someone in this co-main event. I expect blood. I expect both guys to get rocked. I expect them to have to dig down deep. Like we saw with Alex Pereira when he knocked out Izzy in the fifth round. When he had Izzy hurt and Izzy ended up knocking him out. It's one of those things where these guys are going to go all out in this fight. I love the co-main here. So that, that makes the New York card... I'd say probably in line to be the best card of the year. And we only know two fights. It's one of those where it's like, man, you really, really have to tune in. And don't say this often. Kudos to the UFC. They understood, okay, we had a couple light pay-per-views over the summer. We just had this event, Noche UFC, which was really cool. But the card was a little light. The Izzy card in Australia was very light, even though some of the, most of the fights delivered there. And they're like, you know what? Now it's time to step on the gas. Now it's time. It's going to get cold. Everybody's at home. 
let's close out this year and make fans super excited for next year because there were talks of that Vegas card in December being headlined by Conor McGregor. That would have been a wild-ass card. And we know who he's fighting when he comes back. They did the Ultimate Fighter, but there's just no natural end to that rivalry unless they blow it off in the ring. Conor has to go. He has to get into USADA. He has to get drug tested. He has to do all those things. But by all accounts, he's in the gym. He's training. He's getting back back to being at least welterweight Conor. Get his body down. I don't know if we'll see lightweight Conor ever again. But he's getting ready. Michael Chandler stays ready. So those two were in talks of headlining the Vegas card. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition. We now know the main event. But if that card, if that fight shades up for January or February, oh, and by the way, Sean O'Malley was talking about co-maining that and defending his title as the co-main to Conor McGregor. And if you want to make the guy the next Conor McGregor-level star, he's the only guy where you accept him, like, okay, you can co-main event to Conor McGregor and be that big of a name. You di- you're breaking records, probably. Top five UFC pay-per-view ever. If you have those two on the same card, and it'd be O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera, man, printing money. So we're looking at a possibility of those two fighting on the same card to start next year. This is about to be one hell of a run for the UFC. If you put that fight here in Vegas the week before, or it'd probably be the Saturday before, or the Saturday after the Super Bowl, you are crushing, crushing in February. And I'd be shocked if the UFC didn't piggyback on the Super Bowl and do that. I know Top Rank Boxing is going to be out here piggybacking on the Super Bowl as well. I think they're going to have the night before the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised for the UFC to take the weekend before that so fight fans come out that weekend and just stay for a week and do everything at one time. Because the night before it gets a little hectic. Maybe people have plans. It's a, little, it's a little weird to go out and ask people spending all this money for a Super Bowl to also spend money on the UFC. But if you bookend them in two different weeks with Conor McGregor, what? F1's great. And F1's going to be huge in November. You'll be hard-pressed to tell me that's not the biggest seven-day span sports weekend in Las Vegas history. If you go O'Malley-McGregor card one week, top-ranked boxing the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and then Super Bowl Sunday all here in Vegas. Oh, and Super Bowl week actually has a ton of parties, a ton of events for fans and families and all that stuff. It'd be the biggest seven-day stretch in Vegas sports history. That's what I want to see now, now that this is booked out this way. Bringing it back to current times, though, UFC 294, co-main is the only one we haven't touched on. We've known this for a while. Hamzat, Kamaya versus Paulo Acosta. Hamzat's going to run through Acosta. But you look at a guy like Hamzat at middleweight, now that Izzy isn't champion, Izzy probably gets an immediate rematch against Sean Strickland. But Hamzat's skills, and we've seen Izzy lose several times recently, Hamzat's skills striking are only getting better. He's only training more. And he's always been an animal on the ground. And there's no one in that division who can fight on the ground in the top 10 like Hamza can. Paulo Acosta is about to be that, that next example of that. Because Acosta can stand and strike with a guy like Sean Strickland. He can stand and strike a little bit with Izzy. He can stand and strike with a Whitaker. No one is Hamza Kamaev on the ground. No one in that middleweight division. So it's great to see him showcase there. So, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to this fall slash winter slate in the UFC. It's going to be so damn 
fun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last weekend's card, though, UFC fight night. No chance UFC right here. Mexican Independence Day weekend. Dana White, love the card, love the fan turnout. It was packed in T-Mobile Arena. It wasn't even pay-per-view. Just a really big fight night with several talented Mexican fighters on the card. This main card was so fun. The environment felt different. The presentation felt different. And he did a smart move. He booked... T-Mobile Arena, before Canelo did, because Canelo was changing between DAZN and PBC. And he took, the, he took the date from him. That's how you get it. But putting on a card like this, this fun, is how you try to keep it. And Canelo's not getting any younger, 33, about to be 34. And instead of handing this over to the next generation of Mexican fighters, like a Ryan Garcia or a David Benavidez, which this really should be his, Moving forward, um, if he gets the Canelo fight at some point and beats Canelo, it would be a perfect passing of the torch, and he should take these weekends. Or you never know. There might be a fighter like Durante Davis who beats a really good Mexican champion and is like, yo, I'm taking the dates. I'll have Floyd beat an Oscar. But instead of letting that happen, the UFC said, no, we want Mexican fight fans to know that we're building our fan base there, that they there's a place for Mexican fans and combat sports fans and all of South America, in the UFC, because, of course, Brazilian fans have been into the UFC forever, and they've leaned into that audience. But like, no, we, we're embracing our Mexican fans. They know how just excited they get for combat sports, how diehard they are for Mexicans who box, and it's just in the blood in Mexico. Mexican style is a thing for a reason, right? This is something just ingrained in our culture. The UFC is like, okay, we want that over here. So making sure not only... Now, if you have to compete with Canelo for the two Mexican holidays, Cinco de Mayo and uh, Mexican Independence Day every year, cool, we'll go head-to-head because Canelo might got three more years of this. The UFC is doing this as a promotion so they can keep this going well past Canelo is done with boxing. So starting and now and building that fan base, making sure this is a destination thing is a very smart move by Dana White and the UFC. So this card, though, highlighted that in where... We see Raul Rosas Jr., who was our guest 
last week, just come in and roll over Terrence Mitchell. He was like, man, I want to show people what I've been training, how my skills have elevated. Yes, he took the loss. But he's like, these are just things that happen, especially to an 18-year-old kid. He turns 19 in a week. And he's like, that loss I learned from, I've gotten better. Terrence Mitchell had a seven-inch reach advantage. He stood with Terrence Mitchell and dropped him in 30 seconds with a monster left hand. Great ground and pound to end it. 54-second first-round knockout by Raul Rosas Jr. And Terrence Mitchell was 14-3. and three. He's 33 years old. He's a veteran in MMA. He is a legit UFC fighter. Raul Rosas ran through him. So the skills are there. Everything is there for Raul Rosas Jr. As long as he keeps putting it together. Little setbacks, you're, you're supposed to lose in MMA. You're really supposed to lose when you're under 25 in MMA. Damn near under 30. This kid got 12 years before he's quote-unquote in his MMA prime. So, yes, yeah, a little setbacks will happen, but this is a holiday where I think in a year, two years, you see the USC build around Raul Rosas Jr. for Mexican Independence Day. And these are his cards. And I think they realize, like, we have a special talent. We are going to build that now. And he showed that. And then in the co-main event, Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Madalena. JDM came out, and him and Holland had a great striking contest back and forth. Thought it could have went every, either way, but JDM just did more. So him winning the decision makes sense. But total strikes? I mean, 127 in favor of Kevin Holland, 105 in favor of Jack Magdalena, <coughs> JDM, Jack Della Maddalena, but 105 out of 190. He landed 56% of his total strikes, with all of them being significant strikes. So you're looking at that. Kevin Holland tried for two takedowns, couldn't get it. That would have been the equalizer there. JDM deserved this. And Kevin Holland's always entertaining. So even this loss, he's not going to move back too much. He's a guy where Dana White's like, yo, I need someone to fight. Real quick, welterweight or middleweight? I need someone to step in. I need someone to challenge a top five guy, top ten guy. It's always going to be Kevin Holland. And there's a place for that. He's going to be a guy who will compete for a BMF title here in a couple of years. Right? Because that's the energy he brings. You're not going to have a boring fight with Kevin Holland. You're not going to have a bad fight. And that set the stage for the main event. Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko where Shevchenko changed the game plan. She didn't go for any spinny shit. She wasn't going to let, <clears throat> excuse me, she wasn't going to let Alexa Grasso dictate the fight and catch her in a mistake. And for the first four and a half rounds, the perfect game plan, I had Valentina up three rounds to one, heading into the fifth. She just had to go and be safe. And she goes for a clinch midway through the fifth and slips. Alexa Grasso ends up on her back. And she's fighting for her life to not get submitted again. And I'm like, this is the worst case scenario for Valentina Shevchenko because she had the fight locked up. And the reason it was the worst case scenario is because the only thing you needed was for one referee to think you were very close to getting finished, which she was, and make this a 10-8 round instead of a 10-9 with the new system. And she complained about getting a 10-8. You know what? I think I agree. That was a 10-8 round for Alexa Grasso. She was fighting for her life for two minutes. Almost got stopped three times. That's the equivalent of dropping someone with a right hand. Yeah, it's going to be a 10-8 round if you drop them now. So, yes, if you are getting submitted or nearly getting submitted several times, 
She had to fight off three submission attempts. One was really deep, and she was saved by the bell. Yeah, that's a 10 eight round. And by doing so, this ends in a draw. Because one judge sees Alexa Grasso winning three rounds to two, which is questionable in my opinion. But listen, that happens. Valentino's winning the other one, three to two. And then, obviously, going into the third card, she was up 3-1. But it's a 10 eight round now. So now it's a draw. Alexa Grasso is still your champion. Feels like kissing your, your sister, in this case, your brother, whatever it may be. Draws suck. It was a huge letdown in the arena. No one wanted to see a draw. Shevchenko got so close to getting her belt back. But now she broke her hand. She's getting surgery. And who knows when she gets another title shot. In the meantime, flyweight's wide open. And Alexa Grasso is going to go on. And there's someone like Aaron Blanchfield waiting. Where Aaron Blanchfield, she goes in there against Alexa Grasso. I think I'll take Aaron. So now Valentina doesn't even get a rematch. So how do you justify Valentina coming back and fighting Blanchfield when she has a loss and a draw instead of Alexa getting a co-main? It's, it's a result that's going to make this division really, really, really complicated and really ugly. And the UFC is going to have some major decisions because it's very tough to figure out who deserves what shot when the person who should have won is now injured, and the person who survived and got a draw has challengers lined up. And Shevchenko was very mad. I did not like the interview she did, saying the judges were skewed because it's a Mexican holiday and Alexa is Mexican, and they were you know, trying to give her the fight or there's a unnatural edge and she doesn't want to fight on this holiday anymore. No. The judges did their job. You weren't robbed. It wasn't that close. It could have been a 10-9 or a 10-8. You got a 10-8. Should have handled business. Stayed on your feet. You would have been champion. She didn't. This happened. So Alexa Grasso is still your champion. She had the really dope custom um, Mexican Independence Day belt like Canelo has in boxing. It was very fun, and I can't wait to see Alexa Grasso step back in the ring. We just covered our entire fall slate, so maybe they give her until January to come back and defend those titles. Or maybe she gets another really dope fight night to headline um, instead of being a co-main or a third title fight dependent on when that goes down. But I, I think Alexa Grasso, if she's healthy, and I know it's September, October, November, she has almost four months until that December card here in Vegas by her versus Aaron Blanchfield here in Vegas as a three-title fight card and putting it right there in December, I think that might take that card over the top as well. Because Aaron Blanchard was the real deal. So you feature her on that card, and it really builds her star power. I really love that matchup. We just got to see where Alexa Grasso is around that time. But the Vegas crowd clearly loves her. That place was packed for two women in what hasn't been the glory division of women's MMA, right? Like We know Strawweight has produced amazing fights, has great star power. Bantamweight before Amanda Nunez retired was the glory division. You had Amanda, you had Ronda in that division. You, you had a lineage of star power in that division. Now we got to see how that one shakes out. Um, they haven't even talked about booking a title fight yet for that division. So we got to see how that all plays out. But, man, this was the flyweights division chance at like a real coming out party because they packed out T-Mobile Arena for a fight night. And then just the end is, it's just like, man, it's a, it's a letdown, which should have been a letdown. So outside of that, 
That's the only thing that was a negative on that card. But everything else around it, the presentation, everything, I now look forward to see what they do for Cinco de Mayo. Because Dana didn't just say, I want this holiday. He says, I want UFC to be a staple for the Mexican holidays. And that's okay, even if it means we're going head-to-head with Canelo. Which I feel like the UFC always finds themselves going head-to-head with Canelo. But Canelo's fights are going to be huge. Huge those weekends. So it'll be interesting to see if the UFC is like, okay, it doesn't always have to be Vegas. Maybe they go down to San Antonio. Maybe they go to New Mexico um, with a very prominent gym down there. There's other places in the Southwest, Arizona, where you have huge Mexican fan bases where you can celebrate these Mexican holidays as well. So it's interesting to see, is it just going to be a Vegas thing or are they going to move it around a little bit when Canelo has a stranglehold? If Canelo fights David Benavidez here in, in May on Cinco de Mayo, you try to go head-to-head, but you ain't, you ain't matching that. You're just not. So we got to see how that plays out and how they maneuver this. But I think they have a good thing set up. And for when Canelo's gone, I think it could be the UFC's holiday because I don't just see a boxing star now outside of David Benavidez with the cash to really take over that holiday and do what fighters have been doing since Oscar De La Hoya and Julio Cesar Chavez um, before him and really carry that lineage on. Because it's been a stable in boxing since the early 90s, since De La Hoya fought Chavez. So now it's, it's one of those things where 90s, De La Hoya had it, then Floyd had it, then Canelo had it. I just don't see that next guy. I'm not sure if Ryan Garcia is that next guy. I'm not sure if the Mexican fan base really attaches to him, gravitates towards him. And I'm not sure if they have that next champion. Bam Rodriguez could be a next champion. He's just a small dude. But I'm not sure. I, I feel like the community will rally around him. In the meantime, it'll be interesting to see what the UFC does because if they build the fan base enough, then it's their holiday and they can just keep it running. Before we get out of here, let's give our thoughts on this weekend's fight card. UFC Fight Night, Fazeev versus Gamrot from the Performance Institute, which is weird because usually you don't get these type of fights at the apex. And even though the main event, yeah, sure, we get some good main events. This fight card is stacked. This fight card is probably better main events, if you put both main events aside, than the Australia pay-per-view that we just saw not too long ago. So going through it, on the prelim card, Muhammad Usman, Kamar Usman's little brother who came through um, the Ultimate Fighter, is fighting Jake Collier, and Muhammad Usman has real deal power. He is exciting prospect in heavyweight division. Can't wait to see what goes down there. Tim Means versus Andre Fialio on the prelims. Dan Argueta versus Miles Johns. Miles Johns 13-2. Argueta's 9-1. Featured prelim. I was like, oh, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm in on this. I am into those fights. Getting into the main card. Looking forward to watching Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. I think those are two welterweights who are young, 28 and 26, really trying to build up. Because welterweight is great, but it's been the same names in, like, the top six forever. And Kamaev kind of didn't make weight against Nate and all, or excuse me, Oh, yeah, against Nate, and it threw him off, so now he's competing at middleweight. So it's like, where's the new blood at welterweight? So I like seeing these young guys 
get this opportunity to fight, really make a name for themselves. We have Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson. And Watterson's coming back 37 years old. Marina Rodriguez, 36. This is one of those, like, you know what? Give it all you got, because this might be all you got. But you look at these UFC cards, and if Watterson loses, this is one of those where, like we saw with Korean Zombie, where we might get the put the gloves down moment. This might be the time to give Michelle Watterson her flowers, because people forget before she got to the UFC, in terms of like Invicta and all this stuff, she was a 105-pound champion. They didn't have this weight class in the UFC. She moved up to 115. If UFC had Anthem weight, which is 105, she would have been a champion for five years straight. She was dominant at that weight. She's fighting above her weight this entire time and really good. Always a contender in that division. So at her weight class, though, she would have been a champion. She just didn't have it here. But she had the platform, and she's really been competing. She has a career where it should be celebrated in terms of being a pioneer, one of the pioneers in women's MMA and bringing that to the UFC and having the star power and being the karate hottie and being a mom and talking openly about how to balance being a mother and a fighter. And her daughter always being around her for fight weeks and in the gym. Amazing story by Watterson. Um, if you don't know her story, make sure you guys check it out on YouTube. She's just a phenomenal story, a phenomenal career. So she does put the gloves down. If she doesn't win, I would look forward to celebrating the career. More people learning and celebrating what she's done with MMA. If she does win, then cool. Let's run this. Let's keep this rolling. But at 37, I mean, even Marina Rodriguez at 36, you're, you're getting to the point where it's like, okay, MMA is not forever. So we got to see how that one plays out. For the record, I'm choosing Marina Rodriguez to win this. And I think Watterson leaves her gloves in the, in the octagon, and it's going to be a sad but really, really great moment to celebrate someone who's a great person and a great fighter. And then co-main event, Bryce Mitchell versus Dan Ige. Bring out the cargo. Oh, excuse me, the camo. Cargo would be dope, too. Uh, the camo fight kit, Bryce Mitchell. Man, Dan Ige's tough. He's not a gatekeeper, but this is like the litmus test, right? Like at Featherweight, like, Bryce, you're 28. You're, we all know the skills. And... Bryce has been trying to fight all year. It's his first fight of 2023. Coming in um, really healthy. He beat Edson Barbosa. His last fight actually was a loss to Ilya Taporia. You know, gets submitted. Before that, he was on a run. This is why he rocks the camel shorts. He wanted to be here. The UFC was like, cool, we're going to feature him. He was undefeated since breaking into the UFC before losing to Ilya Taporia. And we see that Ilya's in line for, like, the next title shot at Featherweight. So that loss isn't even like a horrible loss. You lost a guy who's in line to challenge the best fighter outside of John Jones in the UFC. And people are giving him a legit shot. So now, Bryce, Danny Ige is tough, but prove that you deserve to be in the top five. Prove that you're a future title contender. Prove that you can go out there and not only win a decision, but make a statement. I'm taking Bryce Mitchell, not by finish, because Danny Gay is tough as hell. But I want a dominant performance. I want to show, like, you know what? Ilya's here. I'm right there. Had a bad night. He subbed me. Whatever. But if he's two, we're 2A and 2B. We know number one is in the featherweight division. The champ is king. But he's two. So I'm, two, I'm 2B. And that's what he has to go out there and show now. He's at that level of his career where you're not a prospect anymore. You got to show you're a perennial contender. 
and you got to take everyone out. Main event, lightweight, Rafael Fazeev versus Gamrock. Two guys, you're talking about a light, two guys who are always floating around, could be title contenders. Gamrock lost to Benil Dariush last year. That was kind of tough. But bounced back with two wins. Beat Jalen Turner. Um, beat Armand after that. Before then, Gamrock was on just a mission. Crushing legends. Um, Jeremy Stevens beat the hell out of him. So the Darius thing was a hiccup. You got to prove that's, you know what? That's all it was. Was a hiccup. This is your chance to show that. You go in there. You handle business. But Rafael Fazeev is going to be a tough, tough person to do that against. You talking about being on a run before then. He was piecing up everyone. Everyone. He hasn't lost since 2019. And I'm trying to find the fight right now. Bobby Green. Bobby Green got hands. Peace up, Bobby Green. TKO'd Rafael Dos Anjos. And then he ran into Justin Gage. But listen, man. Justin Gage is Justin Gage. I don't know what to tell you. He just beat Dustin Poirier. Right? Like, you go against Justin Gage, you're in for a war. So he, got, he did not come out the best against Dustin Gage. But cool. That was in March. Got plenty of time to rest. Come off of that. Now he's main eventing a fight night. Go out there against Gamron, who's, again, same position you are. I want to prove I'm top five guy. I want to prove that I should be that new guy amongst the, the Gaethys, the Poiriers, the Chandlers. I should be that guy at lightweight. The Oliveras. All those contenders, my name is in there. And this is their chance. It's, it's really a toss-up fight. I'm going to take Rafael Fazeev to win this one. It's going 25 minutes. Fazeev's going to bleed. Both guys are really skilled. Gamera might attempt a sub here and there. It's going to be a back-and-forth fight. But I just don't see either man stopping each other. But it's going to be so worth it. So worth it in the main event. Because these two know nothing but throwing hands. But I think Fazeev bounces back against Gamera. Gamera's had the ability to fight two guys lower than him in the rankings, gain that confidence back, Fazeev's going right into this. There is no, okay, build back up your confidence fight. So Gamera will come in a little more confident, probably start off faster, but I have Fazeev just wearing on him throughout the fights. If I had to pick, I'd probably go Fazeev winnings round three, four, and five to lock up the decision. One and two would be toss-up rounds, but I think Fazeev just puts that pressure on him to end the fight, and he wins there. So this is going to be a really good fight card. If you guys are at home on Saturday, please lock in. Trust, you will not not be uh, disappointed by watching these fights this weekend. And we're building towards the next favorite, which is going to be in Abu Dhabi, and that's going to be one hell of a fight card. So the UFC, like we explained to start the show, is just on a run. It's only getting better heading into the fall, heading into the winter. So I'm so excited to see what they have planned going forward. And kudos to them for the Noches UFC broadcast from last week. It's not every day we can sit here and be like, you know what? They did something right. Like, just outright. Like, no question that they did something right. That, they did that right. And I like the marketing. I like the celebration. I like what they brought. Celebrating the, the history of Mexican fans in combat sports and how important they are to combat sports. Because we see that all the time in boxing. It's great to see the UFC embracing that as well. As I mentioned to start the show, we still have pro wrestling coming at you guys. There's tons of cuts in WWE. We have to talk about a new deal, television deal they just signed for SmackDown, 
which may or may not be on Fridays anymore. So we'll see how that goes going forward. We also have AEW Grand Slam to recap, which just happened on Wednesday. John Moxley injured, Adam Cole injured during that event. But we also get a great moment like Eddie Kingston being crowned champ champ and getting his moment in Queens in front of everyone. So we'll go through that entire card. Me and the old man will be doing that, bring that to you Friday or Saturday of this week. We appreciate y'all. Thank you, everyone, for following us on the YouTube as well. We're seeing great success with our social clips now that we've kind of figured out our groove there and how our algorithm works and what our fans want. So seeing great success on the YouTube there. Our social clips are doing very well every you know, every time we post those, those are doing really cool. You'll see this show with social clips and on YouTube as well. So make sure you guys keep supporting there. Throw a like and subscribe to us on the podcasting network that you listen to, whether it's Apple or Spotify. That goes a long way. Thank you, everyone here at Blue Wire Studios for always holding it down. We have a very fun week next week, Canelo. So you'll get a full boxing show, Canelo versus Charlo. We'll have a boxing guest on Tuesday to really kick that off. That's going to be really fun. You guys don't want to miss that. This is going to be one of our best boxing shows in a long time next week. And then, of course, still touching on wrestling. WWE has a pay-per-view. AEW has a pay-per-view next weekend as well. It's just so, so busy and so fun. We can't wait. This is where combat starts to heat up again. Of course, we'll still bring you guys the, M- the hip-hop shows when we can plug those in. Great response to our show about the BET Awards. So I have tons more hip-hop and music in general shows coming at you guys. In the meantime, we appreciate you all. Thank you. Continue to follow us on social media. and Listen to us wherever you guys listen to podcasts. For myself, for the old man who's enjoying his daughter's birthday, happy birthday to her once again. For right now, though, we're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.